G'day and welcome to the Beyond the Message podcast. Hey, it is great to have you tuning in here today. My name is Lockie and I'm the host of this experience. And really my job is to help guide those 167 hours beyond Sunday or beyond the message so that you can grow in your faith all throughout the week. Today, I sit down with Riley Brown and we talk through the final part of a series we called Reclaiming Irresistible. And today we're talking about the bottom line which was introduced on Sunday, which says the more the Jesus movement looks like Jesus, the more irresistible it will be. So we talk through things like the number one reason that people are disassociating with Christianity. We also talk about how we can be people of faith who can make Christianity irresistible once again. Hey, we really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Beyond the Message podcast. Well, Riley, part four, we love a part four, particularly of this series, because um, we love it. You're the third person to jump on the Beyond the Message in three weeks, and we just love that kind of uh, freshness to this podcast and to what's going on Beyond, but starting with CP, then to John Ogulo, and now to yourself. This is a, a great time for us. Mm, how cool is Jono? Jono's hey. I also love how Jono is like J-O-N-O, like Bono. Like Bono, is that? A, I didn't. I didn't even know that. But I'm, Jono, I like. I don't know. I I could text Jono, or I don't like. We could find out of Jono right now. But I'm barely certain that when Jono goes by Jono, he's J O N O, not like J O N N N O. Which I don't know if that's more Australian or un-Australian. My name doesn't have an O in it anywhere, or I can't really be called like Milo <laughs> or anything like that. You go um, Brano. Look, you know that that works. Yeah, if that catches on, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I don't know how Jono sounds like sounds like Bono. Which also kind of sounds like Bon Jovi, which for a good chunk of my life, this shows how much of a millennial I am. I think I'm a millennial. I think I have this weird generational gap, actually, Lucky. That's a whole other podcast. But <laughs> I used to think Bon Jovi and Bono were like the same people for a good amount wow. of time. And then I realized there's a very big difference between you two and like living on a prayer. That's very true. And yeah, I never really know what you're going to say, Riley. It's always a mixed bag, but I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that to start this podcast oh, yeah, like- today. I didn't expect it to go <laughs> I'm super excited because like part four, you know, we, we want to kind of wrap up this conversation and what a series, like what a, what an awesome thing to talk about. Um, I guess, Riley, would you say like, this is a series that, or, or a conversation that potentially we've avoided for some time? Like we, you know, we don't really like to talk about the problems that are, that are within the church, particularly because we are a local church. Like we, we seem to be part of it. I don't know if that's, if that's your experience with this at all. Well, I, I, yeah, I think it's a good observation and perspective. It's hard, right? Because when we talk about reclaiming irresistible, there's part of us, I don't know, this has been my experience. All of a sudden, I'm starting to look into myself, like look into the local church. So obviously, there's things you get frustrated about with the local church, even as a church person. Um, but when it comes to looking at the conversation that we've been in reclaiming irresistible, it's hard not to kind of, I've been looking at myself and having a good reality check. Because, yeah, whilst we, I don't know. It's reclaiming your resistible conversation, kind of exposing like the ugliness of church at times in the sense of what we've been holding on to that sometimes, you know, really or has given people the experience of like, gee, I feel like I've just walked into like the 15th century and that this is like a community a group. This is a building where people come, they sing these songs and, you know, they're holding on to like this way of life with all these musts and way we must go about doing things. And it, it just feels like old fashioned or old school, or traditional and, and, you know, Again, what we're talking about on Sunday, holding on all to these these minors as musts, and it leads to something irresistible, and people, or sorry, it leads to something resistible, and people find the church and find Christians resistible, but 
in all that ugliness that I'm like, yeah, you know, we as a church get better. I've got to get better. I'm like, all right, like this actually starts with me. Like, I've got to look at myself in the mirror here. Um, so it's definitely, yeah, I think for me, like, like it's got me fired up again, having like, you know, CP, listen to BTM with yourself, having Jono come along, engaging in connect groups throughout the week, which I think mm. that's where like, I, that's where the reality check's been going down when I'm actually sitting alongside of other people in connect groups. With, like when you and Mola putting out dinner and all of a sudden people are already buzzing around like, yeah, like we actually want to talk about this. Um, Cause it's not even just that like, yeah, we want to get better as a church, like, or as the local church, like it's also that it's very, yeah, again, looking into our own life and our own experience of things. And then also being willing to actually hear the stories of other people um, and trying to put ourselves in the shoes of those who've never had an experience with church before, like, or have had a really bad negative experience with church before. So it's been like this awesome mixed bag of like lollies that you take into the cinemas and then you come out of the movie and you're just like, wow, like, <laughs> this is life-changing. And yeah. when I think about movies like that, I think of like Avatar. Great movie, it's great film. Movie that I've come out of where I'm just like, I want to go out and buy a dragon that I can connect with my head to. <laughs> That's so good. Well, I've got two quick comments to make before we do get into our four questions discussing for Monday for this week's, um, you know, message we're looking at. One is that I'm feeling a bit sick. I'm sounding a bit sick. So I'll do my best to not talk too much this podcast and, and give the platform to you, Riley. Still, and, got, a great, still got a great voice. Talking oh, voice. thank you. Well, the, the second part of that is we're on Zoom. So if you're worried about contamination, all that kind of stuff, when yeah. you're listening to this, we're on, we're on Zoom. So you don't need to worry about that. We're on Zoom. Sorry, I thought you were trying to tell like friends of the show, like you won't get anything through listening to this podcast. Right. Like, yes. <laughs> I can like, sneeze. We learned that during COVID. You know, <laughs> sick through through podcasts. That would suck. That's wonderful. Yes. Um, and this is only for Riley because you can see me on Zoom. Um, the door behind me is doing a weird Halloween thing. It, I'm not sure if you've noticed. It's just opening and closing. I don't like, know what's happening. Harry Potter and his invincibility cloak, like yeah, in that door. Did you ever have that in high school where the door would open slowly and then like a teacher or like a student would always say like, oh, Harry Potter must be in here in his invincibility cloak. I went to a Christian school, so we didn't talk about Harry Potter. Uh, see, I went to a Christian school too. But we'll- <laughs> I'm just kidding. Of course, Riley, of course. Oh, but yeah, no, that door looks like it's partly shut now. So it is, it is opening and closing, and it's got a um a really awesome like quilt on it. You know those like yeah, mums just love quilts. It's got a sewn quilt that just says, "There's a special place in heaven for the mother of twin boys." What a wonderful! I, I might get one myself actually. That, that's awesome. That is awesome. That's specific. <laughs> it's very specific, and I love it. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Well, let's get cracking in because we got some awesome questions to talk about as we yeah. do wrap up this series. And Riley, I'm, I'm going to pick a line you said on the weekend. I love doing this. I love looking at a line because I want to make sure it's true firstly. And I want to also kind of get a bit behind what the line is and, and why you've decided to include this in your message. Um, and so as a leader in the church, Riley, you're, you're, a, you're a leader, you, you, know, you do work for the church. And so we've been talking about the church and I assume that a lot of this has been affecting you. So I want to, I want to look at this statement and just see how this affects you. You said that the number one reason people are disassociating with Christianity is the church. 
upon hearing that, like, you know, maybe from, from me, you said that on the weekend, but now I've told you back, like, how does that actually make you feel as, as a leader, as someone who is a Christian or someone who is quite, um, you know, quite involved in the church? Yeah. What's well, crazy, right? Cause this even came out when we're talking about research from the weekend, like Australian Bureau of Statistics, Census, McCrindle research as well. I'll talk, um, I'll probably keep talking about McCrindle research because these McCrindle research looks like faith and belief in Australia, like religion and spirituality in Australia. And it's so much fun. If you found this series like super exciting or it's left you with questions or you like stats because you're one of those people that like nerd out on data, um, then head to McCrindle research because it's just like ripper. It's awesome. But yeah, number one reason people are disassociating with Christianity is the church. Like people gave this information voluntarily when it came to actually collecting this data, they were pointing it back to people's experiences or they were pointing it back to their own experience um, of the church, which I think one thing, like when I heard that or when I saw that within the data for the first time, and again, there's heaps of articles you can you can read where this is the bottom line of the article. Like I've, I've taken this from the words of those who, you know, have, have looked at these stats. This is what's become really apparent and really clear. What's really interesting too is like even as I'm sharing Locke and even as we go back and forth, that there are a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of other people who work in churches, um, of many different church communities that have also contributed their thoughts to this statement too. So if that interests you, um, again, head to McCrindle Research or you can actually just put the number one reason people are dissociating, dissociating my goodness, with Christianity is That's the right. church. And you'll find yeah. a whole people's different response to it. I think at the end of the day, like regardless of if I was, you know, working with the church like in kind of any kind of partial role or anything like that like first and foremost like as a follower of jesus like this just breaks my heart like this and i think this should break our heart like it's not just a matter of feeling super uncomfortable by it but like people's experience of christianity of the christian faith that points back to who jesus is that points back to who god's is like they're people are disassociating from that relationship with Jesus, with God, because of their experience with those who are meant to imitate the love and like, yeah, the, the kindness, like the patience, like, you know, all these incredible attributes of, of who Jesus is. It's because of the people who are actually meant to be representatives of the Christian faith that people are actually finding Christianity irresistible. And yeah, it breaks, it breaks my heart. And I think this is part of the reason why I'm like, gee, like over the last couple of weeks now as we've been looking at this series and one of the reasons I'm just so like, you know, just so thankful and so blessed to be in the community of beyond, but also know other people in local churches that just want to absolutely champion, you know, to the lengths degree. I don't even know if that's the word, but like champion times 1 million <laughs> is really what I'm going for people who've never had an experience with Jesus or God before. We've had a bad experience with Jesus or God before, or just want to champion people who've never heard about Jesus or God before. Um, like I just am so, so thankful to have those people in my life. And I was actually reflecting on this yesterday. Um, I grew up my young adult life. Like, yeah, I'm so thankful I found Beyond. In high school, I was kind of part of a youth group that was just this really big circle. It wasn't just youth group that happened on Friday because people would pick you up after school on a Friday. Um, that either went to my school or a couple of years older than me. They'd pick me up. Um, they'd take me to a coffee shop after school. We'd go there. There'd be 20 people at this coffee shop and we'd be drinking 
cold pressed. Maybe like three people would be drinking cold pressed, which is super dangerous for any like 17, 16 year old to be having coffee of an afternoon. We like, yeah, there'd be three people who'd buy something from this shop. The other like 17 people wouldn't buy anything. They just hang out in this coffee shop. And this coffee shop was so open to that, that this was just like, all right, we're actually closing guys like in 15 minutes. And we know you're going to stay here for another 35 minutes. So we're just going to pack up and clean up around you. Um, <laughs> That's good. That's so good. Big group of people, right? And what I just got so hooked on is like, this is a hundred percent a place where, yeah, the people who are picking us up were youth group leaders, but like they weren't picking up like, you know, high schoolers who were all connected to the church. Like a lot of these guys were just mates of mates. Like but people wanted to come along to coffee. They wanted to come along to Japanese curry. Like afterwards we'd get a meal. They wanted to come to youth group on the Friday night, but we'd hang out throughout the week. And so my experience in high school was actually just having people who really championed me, who were really for me, who shout me coffees, shout me, you know, Japanese curries and all the rest and wanted to hang out with me. And that was just such an incredible gift. So it breaks my heart that this is other people's experience. Cause at the end of the day, for me, again, during my young adult life, like my experience was actually like, I got a taste of what that irresistible kind of um, yeah, irresistible faith looked like. And I got to see it and other people I got to do life alongside of people. And that's just so, so encouraging. So yes, like it breaks my heart, but hundred percent I'm in the game of wanting to be part of this. And again, I'm super thankful of, you know, for the local church and super thankful for a beyond church because um, I, I, feel like that's a, a space that I know I can be part of, of yeah, being part of reclaiming irresistible. Yeah, definitely. And it's, I mean, I think that we believe the opposite of this as well, that the number one reason that people are associating with, with Christianity is the church. And mm-hmm. we do want to be a church that can, that can provide that experience for, for many people, regardless of, um, you know, stage of life or demographic or anything like that. And, and that's exactly my experience, Riley. I won't go into that um, today in detail, but yeah, like I'm a Christian because of the church and because of people in the church. And so it, it does hurt to know that a lot of people are disassociating with Christianity because of the church. And I, you know, like I'm not denying the truth in that. I think that is true. Um, but I, I do believe the opposite is true or can be true as well, that people can associate with Christianity because of the church, because of followers of Jesus. And I think, um, yeah, I think we should dedicate ourselves to, to continually doing that. Um, so moving on from that, Riley, um, we talked about like what it looks like to follow Jesus and the whole, you know, this is all about following Jesus. Cause like your message was all around, like the more that Jesus movement looks like Jesus, the more irresistible it would be. And, and through that, we've got to follow Jesus. We've got to follow his example, his invitations. And so when Jesus calls us to, to follow me or follow him, um, Riley, I want to ask like, what, what is the requirements of that? You talked about it on the weekend a little bit, but what does that require and what does it not require when um yeah jesus asks us to follow him and and to imitate the life that he um that he lived on earth yeah oh and i think the reason i wanted to bring this into our conversation when we're talking about on sunday and the latest episode of beyond at home is obviously we're talking within the context of when paul and barnabas went to this council in jerusalem and the pharisees stood up and were like hey guys like um all right, so um, this is how within like, you know, Judaism, this is what this kind of Christian faith, we think it could look like. And again, Pharisees, religious leaders, really strict, abiding by the law. So they just wanted to get it out there. Like, we think that if you're a fellow, you need to get circumcised and like everyone needs to follow the law of Moses. And Paul and Barnabas, like, you know, they understood the context of, um, yeah, of Judaism within that time. But at the same time, also understood what coming to faith looked like for them. And they had a taste again of this irresistible faith. So they were like, no, 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 like following Jesus 
is meant to be stepping through a door that is as wide, as accessible, like as open and as loving as possible. And this door is actually going to meet you where it's at, where you are at because it's person, it's like Jesus and it's his grace. And this is a hope. This is a message of hope um, to the world as well. Um, but like with that too, Paul and Barnabas, I'm sure and certain, and Peter who spoke and James who spoke, like the early church leaders, the big influences of the Jesus movement who want to make sure that this faith was going to be as accessible and as irresistible as possible. They also recognize that part of, you know, believing in God, like part of that relationship with God and being a follower of Jesus or just being a follower was being a disciple. And then a disciple, you know, really means to be a learner, to be a student, to be a pupil, to be an apprentice. So following Jesus is actually going like, okay, faith isn't just like, I'm not just thinking my way into this. I don't need to bend my behavior like into this. It's actually going like, no, like I'm following Jesus. And Jesus said, following me is not all about you, right? It's not me centered. And that's a real slap to the face for us. Like in any century, that's a big slap to the face. It's a big wake up call because our human heart says like, how do I find meaning, enjoy my life? And our responses might look like, well, maybe if I just got to this destination in my career with my finances, if I had a better job, better relationship, better family, better life, I got to work at it, got to work at it, got to work at it. Then I'd have a fulfilling and complete life. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Like all these problems are external. And if we hold them too close to our heart, what would come of us is like a me-centered person who can only trust themselves to fix themselves. So when Jesus says, follow me, he says, hey, what you need to do is deny yourself. Deny yourself. He talks about... Um, you know, this idea of self-denial, which is really asking us the question of like, can I really trust myself to save myself? It's not allowing our faith to be me-centered. It's actually putting our faith in Jesus and putting our faith, you know, in the creator of the universe, in God. And then Jesus also talks about like picking up your cross, which like picking up your cross, crucifix, like this is an ancient torture device. And what Jesus is really saying is like, he's stating the behavior and the cost of following him, just like it was for followers of Jesus who got persecuted in Rome, like followers of Jesus who are even being persecuted today, which I know we looked at this in the podcast problem of Jesus way back at the start of the year lock, like following Jesus is a way of life that pushes against the flow and the way of the world and inevitably clashes and results in pain and tragedy for the follower of Jesus instead of worldly success. So Jesus wasn't trying to fool people into thinking that this whole discipleship thing meant setting a low comfortable bar. Like when Jesus calls us to like, follow me, like it it's a it's a high standard like it's not sitting back hoarding everything we have which is really easy to do in a, like a global pandemic like it's it's not just like you know being um just wanting to preserve ourselves like it's actually being brave and courageous just like the early church was in rome we talked about this in beyond home in the episode in rome in the early centuries when people would leave their babies out you know if they had a bub who was just seen as weak who looked weak it was deformed anything like that and they didn't want it if it was an unwanted baby they just leave it at the doorstep and that would be it but the christians were the ones who ran in and the christians would take these babies and take them into their own refuge like before you know this was before the law even got changed where rome was like a couple of centuries later like hey guys stop leaving your babies out in front of your door like that's that's not on we can't be doing that the christians were already intervening at like an early level, they're already, they're already showing love to Rome and love um, to the next generation of Rome before the law even got changed. They were already changing the world before the law got changed. Um, so when Jesus calls us to follow him, like it's, it's a big call. Um, so I guess a big part of why I wanted to talk about that in the conversation was also to say that whilst there's kind of like these minors, like circumcision was being debated. And whilst there was things like following the law of Moses, like that was being thrown out, 
Like whilst those things that we hold on to as minors um, and turn into musts and every generation has their own must, just like footloose, like you must not dance with this person, you must not dance like this, everything like that. Like, you know, it, at the end of the day, like Jesus still sets a really high bar of what it means and what it costs to actually follow him. Um, but the journey of that is this, this great reward as well, not just of, you know, it's not just an eternal ticket to heaven, which is like, that is awesome. But the, the experience of this life and this life to this full, uh, life to the full and an abundant life as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think yeah. that's probably all I have to say about that. There was a lot of things in one. <laughs> no, it's good because it really does highlight the, the purpose behind the series that, hey, if we, if we actually followed Jesus, like if we, if we followed Jesus and everyone that claimed to follow Jesus followed Jesus in this way, um, the church would be thriving and no one would be walking away um, you know, would be walking away of Christianity from their experience with the church because it would be the most life-giving, fulfilling thing in the world. Um, but as we know, like we, we've lost that somewhere along the way and, and we're currently not at the highest point of it. Um, yeah. We're not at the most irresistible part of the church's history. And so I guess the opposite of that, Riley, um, you know, what are those things? If, if, we're, if we're called to follow Jesus, but we don't do that very well or as a whole, we, we've struggled with that. You know, what are these common things? What are the common threads that um, people are saying is closing the door to, you know, finding their faith with Jesus? Um, we talked about doors and we'll talk about what it looks like to open doors for other people. But, you know, quite frankly, we've been closing doors for a lot of people finding faith. So what are those common things that that does close the door for someone looking, um, you know, to find faith in Jesus? Yeah, well, and this is where I'm keen to talk about kind of McCrindle research. So again, if you just Google McCrindle research, you'll come up with some um, some awesome research around faith and belief in Australia. So I'll let you do a little bit of reading there. But McCrindle research in short actually gives, um, you know, some big belief blockers, right? So these belief blockers or issue blockers are issues that are most likely to prevent non-Christians, okay? So non-Christians who are open to change from exploring Christianity, and I find these belief blockers really interesting, right? So what are they saying here is like these issues that are most likely to prevent non-Christians who are open to change from exploring Christianity. And some of these belief blockers, I'll just list them for you. I won't give you the percentages, um, but include like issues around homosexuality, hell and condemnation, suffering, supernatural elements, role of women, the Bible, science and evolution. Okay, so even amidst all these belief blockers, these are all things that are most likely to prevent non-Christians who are open to change from exploring Christianity. What I find really incredible, like amongst all these different issues, which I actually think at the end of the day, they really, they are great conversations to be having with people. And I think they're really um, awesome issues to actually come alongside of people in, wrestle with people and for the follower of Jesus to learn from and not just be the people speaking to others and telling them you know this is the view this is how we do it this is how we must do it but actually listening and sitting with people and coming alongside of them just like jesus did at the same time when i look at these issues and the ones with yeah the issues that we've just talked about like at the end of the day all these belief blockers like none of them actually come back to that starting point question of who is jesus like who is jesus like a lot of these issue blockers when i look at them Again, just my perspective, I'm like a lot of these things we see so much of Christians talking about them across media, on their social media, on their like, yeah, on their Facebook. Like there are a lot of things, again, that I think get associated with the church and they become these issues because the church, you know, 
local church, like we're part of this, like we, we make this like the must, like you must agree with us on these issues first before you can even be, um, begin to belong within the community of followers of Jesus, before you can begin to behave or believe like a follower of Jesus. And, um, you know, I think that's just so hard because what people are missing out on is asking the question of like, who is Jesus for themselves? It's actually going to the person of Jesus first instead of those who at time don't accurately imitate his love. And again, I know I'm, I'm part of that, like in my own brokenness too. Um, one of the other cool things in McCrindle research is it also gives the top five behavior blockers. So this is behaviors that are most likely pre to prevent non-Christians who are open to change from exploring Christianity. And these top five behavior blockers, again, obviously point back to the church, the people of the church. We have church abuse. We have, you know, when people are hypocritical, religious wars, judging others, issues around money, like all these things um, leave, you know, just a bad taste in people's mouth when they see that behavior in followers of Jesus, which is really interesting when you look at the top attractors to religion and spirituality in Australia, when the top three are seeing people who live out a genuine faith. Well, that's number one, stories or testimonies from people who've changed due to their faith. And another one is experiencing a personal trauma um, or, or life event. Um, but if you look at those three, and I think even seeing people who live out a genuine faith, like this, this is, this is the Christian faith, right? Like this is following Jesus and actually stepping into that abundant full life with him. Um, when we get to share that in a genuine way and when other people see that, like that, that's incredibly like Jesus, like when it shows Jesus's love, you know, when we speak how Jesus would speak, when we show generosity, how Jesus was generous, he didn't just do generosity, like he was generous when we use, you know, our words and our actions to actually speak life to other people instead of pulling them down and, and ripping them down when we're using our words to build people up. Like these are all just examples and ways that I have seen and experienced within my own life. Again, young adult life, but life right now, within my whole life, even as a little kid with my family, I've just seen Jesus through that of others. And I'm really thankful for that. So again, yeah. anyway, to be part of that, I really want to be for it. That's super interesting. I like the last two categories you talked about because, you know, I'm not a very smart guy, so I can't necessarily give the Christian um, view on how, you know, science and, and religion and Christianity kind of work together. Like I, I can't give you that necessarily, but what I can do is avoid the practice, practices and the behaviors that turn people off Christianity. And what I can do is engage in the things and be someone who is, showing Jesus, um, you know, Jesus irresistible nature. Like I can do that and I can avoid being hypocritical and judgmental and having an opinion on everything and making sure I'm so polarizing on social media. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where I look at um, from a personal perspective, like those, those attractors and, and detractors are so uh, Riley, I think you said it before, you know, in the intro to this podcast is it's um it's, it's convicting. You look in on your own life and you go, am I, am I adding um, to the noise or am I adding to the light? And that's one thing that John Agulo has been speaking a lot about. Um, I don't think he actually mentioned that when he was here at Beyond, but he's been talking about that a lot. But He didn't, sorry, no, I didn't. That was literally in my head, like, as he was speaking just then, like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Which, add to the light, not to the noise. Like, that's it. Like, that's how you can be part of faith becoming irresistible again. And you know what, it's, it's hard because even, I know like, you know, any global pandemic is an opportunity to do that. But I was talking with um, some crew this week and 
I um I say crew as if I'm in like a hip hop dance crew. I'm not in a hip hop dance crew, but if there's any out there, but like, you wish. I was talking with a crew of people this week around like it was COVID conversation, and we were just talking about like you know there was that this question that I know we asked within Beyond of last year is like what's the story you want to tell like you know not just coming out of this global pandemic but when like you look back to it one day and you know add to the light not to the noise like what a thing in a time when there's so much pressure when everyone's running indoors and trying to figure out what to do and holding on to you know you know things that we just know we have and that are measurable in front of us like our finances like our assets these are all just examples right but like things that make us feel secure it's so easy to do that as christians because we're people and just go self-preserve like staying tight but to actually add to the light and not to the noise takes a courage and a bravery um and you know this is the prayer of the early followers of jesus too like for boldness and and for a courage like holy like praying to the holy like holy spirit to work within our life and give us the boldness and courage and i just am like that's it and to live in that every day is this remarkable thing would be this remarkable thing but it's also the invitation that's being extended to us as we get to share this irresistible faith to the world and we get to share it with the next gen as well but i think you bang on right lock like it's actually adding to the light not to the noise and that's 100 percent john angulo is still there um but i just love it and it's been in my head over the last month or so since we've been yeah talking about reclaiming the irresistible yeah that's so good. And to really finish up, we've kind of already um, dabbled in this conversation a bit, but how can I be part of faith becoming irresistible once again? And I, I'm really looking for how can we personally engage in that relationship um, with Jesus so that faith would become irresistible to those around me? Because I think it's really easy to talk about the church. It's easy to blame. It's easy to look at the institution and why people aren't attracted to church. And But I really want to get super clear, super practical. Like what can I like individually, like me and you and whoever's listening, how can I be part of faith becoming irresistible once again? And, and likely it's, it's to those that are close to you, right? Like your, your experience, you you know, I'm not going to be likely influencing those that are far from me and they're not going to point to me and say, you know, Oh, you're detracting, you know, you're, you're not doing faith very well. Like the people around me are the people that are going to see whether faith is irresistible or not. So how can I, how can I be a light to those people um, who I'm actually in relationship with or, or know of this week? Yeah. Oh, and so like, I think like for me, and this just was something in my head, like as I thought about the question, like I think a great starting point is like if to one of the things that has been most helpful for me in terms of like adding to the light, not to the noise is actually just, I uh, just tried to keep talking to God. Like, in the moments where I feel that, um, you know, you know, when someone says something and you're like, Oh, that's frustrating. Or, Oh, that's a really thing where I could just slide in a comment there and just say something that I think is really funny, but it actually could be really hurtful. Like, should I do it? Should I not do it? Like in terms of that filter, like it's not just your conscience, but actually going to the Holy spirit and going like, all right, can I respond right now? That is showing Jesus to this person. Like in the times where, yep. Okay. I might be able to say something that I might find pretty funny here or, Oh, I'm about to say something that could pull this person down, but my goodness, it could make me feel really good or make me feel better about myself. Or, you know, even in the times where like, that's not even the circumstance in front of you, but you just know, like, I actually have space and capacity. Like, and this is us every day too. I have space and capacity to love someone well today. Like, all right, God, who's, who's that person? Like, 
talking to God. And I think, again, like I know we talk about journaling and documenting things down. I think it's so cool to be able to record some of those prayers, some of those conversations. Again, prayer, not about performance, more about just giving your heart's attention to God because that's what he wants. And I think when we come to God with that kind of posture of obedience, humility, and we say like, God, can you just kill off my pride right now? Like I know that I'm a broken person, like, but I'll just thank you for your invitation to a new life. Thank you for this grace. Like how can I best show your love to others today? I think that's a really good starting point. And on top of that, like John and talked about it too, like asking ourselves a question of what it's like to be in the shoes of somebody else or asking someone close to us, like what's it like, you know, being the person in, in front of me um, and, and getting some feedback around what, what that is like. I think that's another cool step you can get really practical with when it becomes irresistible because all of a sudden you start realizing some of the things within you that maybe in you, but also maybe some of the gaps and, you know, some of the things that you're like, oh, I didn't realize that's what I'm like when I get frustrated. Or I didn't realize that's what I'm like when I get really excited. Like I didn't realize that these are things that actually push people away. In terms of getting really practical, again, I love that um, line that you gave to like, like add to the light, not to the noise. Um, it's something that we get to do every day and we don't have to overwork our Christianity to do that. Like it's actually this simple thing that we get to do in partnership with God. But again, I think when we get to bring those things to God through prayer, through conversation, that's such a, spe a special thing too. But I think the whole thing of like um, being part of becoming a faith, you know, that's irresistible once again, comes back to that idea of like following Jesus, like denying yourself it means killing off your pride. Um, that's a process too. That's not going to just happen overnight. If it does, like that's, that's pretty impressive. Maybe it could happen overnight, right? <laughs> Um, it's killing off the fact that like you can't save yourself in every situation and you can't save other people as well. Like that save your rescue mentality is just going to leave you feeling more tired and people are going to keep running back to you. Like at the end of the day, you keep pointing people back to Jesus's love by imitating his love. Um, then also the idea of picking up your cross, like we got to humble, humble yourself, like, and, and just know that this walk as a follower of Jesus, like it's going to have times where it's ugly it's going to have times where it's bad. It's going to be frustrating, but following Jesus, it's not thinking our way and it's not bending our behavior. Like again, it's, it's following Jesus and doing the walk with him. Um, so don't write off your own pride. Like we actually get to humble ourselves before the heavenly father. And again, what a, what a super special thing to do when it comes to adding to the light, not to the noise, ripping John O'Gill again, um, when it actually comes so yeah, reclaiming irresistible and holding the door open for the next gen as well. And I would just say like, if anyone, you know, there's followers of Jesus who've grown up in church, who are going to do this in an incredible way in terms of holding the door open for the next gen. Cause they've maybe experienced it for themselves within their own church community when they're younger. But Hey, if you're someone right now and you're questioning, like, you know, can I hold the door open for the next gen? Can I be part of reclaiming irresistible if I've never grown up in the church and I've still got questions around Jesus, like a hundred percent you can, if not, you are the best person right, to be part of a local church community or just part of the local church, to be part of the church, to be part of the Jesus movement, if you've had an experience where you've never really experienced church before, like that is a unique perspective. And I just say, don't for a minute feel like you're disqualified because throughout the whole of the New Testament, like throughout the whole of the Bible, we see God using people who are unqualified. I'm unqualified, even in my role, like just to get that out, like forefront, God is constantly qualifying people who should be disqualified from sharing his message. And I think Paul, who we almost talk about every, you know, beyond at home message, every Sunday at beyond is one of those people. He went around terrorizing Christians and then he became a follower of Jesus and he became one of the most influential people after the Jesus movement. 
to help spread this message of hope to the world. So I just say, if you're someone who's questioning, like, do I know enough? Christianity isn't about information, how much knowledge you have. Like it's actually about relationship. Um, so if you're going to be part of reclaiming irresistible, if you're going to hold the door open for the next generation, know that relationship is such a big part of that. Don't isolate yourself from others, stay connected and keep a community around you who are going to cheer and champion on. Um, Cause again, connect group throughout the week. Lock, my favorite thing has been my favorite thing throughout this conversation as well. Yeah. So good. Well, that's a great way to wrap up not only part four, but the whole series. So thank you so much Riley for jumping on the podcast today. We really look forward to what's coming up for the rest of the year beyond be rich is coming up very quickly. We love that. So that's a great chance to get in involved in a super practical way to outwork your faith um, in a, in a really tangible way within the life and the community of beyond. And uh, I mean, the community um, that's around beyond as well. So we don't want to just, just benefit what we're doing in the church. We also want to impact the world. So if you're like, Oh, how can I, you know, how can I be part of a faith that's irresistible? Um, be rich is a great chance to jump on board with something like that and to, to really impact our local and wider community as well. Cause that is surely a way to become irresistible is to, is to serve not just the church community, but those around us. Um, so lots to look forward to Riley. I'm so excited. And thank you once again for, for all your work with, with part four on this series and um yeah we hope to see you around the podcast soon hey thank you you're a legend feel better soon yeah thanks mate we'll see you soon